I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the mini break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, March 1st. We have a bit of a lull in the pro action this week. Of course, the Sunshine Swing is coming up, folks. Indian Wells starting next week. Miami, the event after that. We are going to have a lot of high-quality ATP and WTA action on our hands over the next few weeks. Of course, we do have a WTA event happening this week in Mexico. We'll talk about that later in the week, but now feels like the perfect moment for a bit of reflection. We have two months of a sample size from this 2022 season. I feel like that is enough data for us to start saying things like, Who have been the best players, the standout performers here in 2022? That's what we want to talk about on today's show. Name our top five players of the year thus far. Now, whether those are the current five best players in tennis is a different discussion. Again, who are our top five performers, I should say, of the years thus far? Not who are the top five players in the men's and women's game, although, of course, there is some overlap in the two conversations. Nevertheless, we're going to have fun here on a Tuesday on the Mini Break Podcast. There's only one guest we can turn to to do so and we haven't had this segment in a while I know it's one of your favorites as Cracked Rackets fans we've got another edition of Tennis Point Tuesday for all of you listeners and if it's a Tennis Point Tuesday you know who we're chatting with it's my buddy Nate Walrath Nate welcome back to the show how are you doing my friend good to see you buddy and uh good to see you fully recovered from your uh big stint Eh, fully recovered Eh. I, yeah, you look – you fooled me, man. You got – the beard is looking more grizzly than ever. You just – you look like you're ready to rock and roll, man. Last week I, I, I checked in with you. I'm like, how you feeling, big dog? You were like, man, I'm, I'm running on fumes over here. And I was like, take it easy, big dog. We'll, we'll, we'll regroup next week. And uh, But you got to see – you got to see some phenomenal tennis out there, my man. And I was tuned in, like, as much as I could. And I was just loving how you guys were jumping from court to court out there. thought you guys did a phenomenal job with your coverage out of the uh, indoor nationals and – the, the Horn Frogs, the Cam Nori Horn Frogs, vic- victorious first indoor national title, baby. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. It's funny. Normally, I try to convey at all times the positivity, right? The energy. I feel like that's part of the brand. You know, I'm feeling it if I'm texting you, even I'm being like, nah, I don't know if I have the juice to do anything. I agree. I was by the end of it. I mean, I woke up here, took the red eye, first red eye quite the experience for people puke on the plane and it was like simultaneous and thankfully I have a sense of humor about those sorts of things so I couldn't help but like laugh at like you could tell one person set off the next but it was a bumpy ride I apologize listeners for that sort of imagery point being I appreciate you tuning in I appreciate you saying that in your patience I would also ask you your Buckeyes this I mean semifinals for 97 percent of teams you'd be like it was a good run they had 4 0 Wake Forest, 4 0 Kentucky, 4 0 Tennessee, 4 0 Virginia. How'd you feel about their semifinal run? I mean, that was 
it was crazy match what they had with TCU. Uh, I mean, that was probably, in my opinion, is JJ Tracy the best player in college tennis? He's got a good. He's got. I mean, he's got. If the answer isn't no, it's not no, it's like not. yes, but it's not no. no. I was no. That match was like watching those two teams when it came down to the last match. Mm-hmm. I, I want nothing more than seeing eight guys on each side of the net, starting the banter, starting the chance, mm-hmm. crossing net posts at changeovers. And just watching all the sh- like all the chatter, man, all the banter. I love it. I thought that was amazing. And just watching Ty Tucker trying to regroup um, with, with the uh, now I came. Who, who was in the clinch match? Who Van Emberg. Yes, is he, he's a transfer. Yeah, from Oklahoma. From Oklahoma. Yeah. So watching him trying to get him to regroup after that second set victory, he just um, yeah, the third set was it got out of hand pretty quickly there. But that was just electric stuff. And no, like just the drama that college tennis kind of provides watching those guys celebrate we had a little debate the other day in the office is like how would you celebrate if you if you're at a clinch match are you are you like it's always awkward watching the guy that loses like just at the net waiting for the handshake but meanwhile the guy's getting dogpiled i'm just like man like i'm probably walking off the court if my guy's getting dogpiled this is such a good question i've missed you it's great to get into this from the start let's have some fun let's do it. one the court rush overused yeah. TCU is allowed to rush the court when you clinch the national championship, if you clinch a 4-3 national semifinal. Anything before a quarterfinal 4-3 match and anything that's not 4-3, not allowed to have a full team rush, in my opinion. It gets overused. You'll have a 4-1 win clinched, and yeah, this team will rush the court, and you're just like, come on, what are we doing? Like, I get it. If you beat number one team in the country at home— Maybe that's a rush instance because that's, again, one of the signature wins. But, like, we abuse the court rush far too frequently. Point number two, and what I have thought about when I have my mid, you know, mid-morning or pre-broadcast runs in the morning where I'm just, you know, your brain is dead and you're thinking about the day ahead and you're like, okay, maybe this match goes 4-3. And then you're like, well, how would I react in that situation? I, you're, you're so right. It's like if you're the kid – who loses the match the player who loses the match you have like you want to wait you want to be respectful in reality what you do there you go shake the hand of the umpire you sit on the bench now of course i think it then becomes incumbent upon the player who won the match to come seek you out and come shake your hand afterwards but by no circumstance should you feel obliged to wait there because i agree with you that's ridiculous it's brutal to watch that man on the flip side what can you do if you're the player? Not react? Not celebrate with your team right away? Like, I, I get both sides of the coin. So my thing would be, I think it's not disrespectful if that player goes to the bench or goes and sits with his team and doesn't wait there. You should not have to wait at the net. No, you shouldn't have to watch the other team celebrate in your misery. and just 100%. Hold the net post, like clenching the net post, just waiting for that handshake. Looking at your teammates, just like, sorry, I let you down. I got to wait for this or, handshake. Or what the kid do, does is he can cross the net and he's allowed to jump in the dog pile and he can start jumping with you guys <laughs> until you shake his hand and then once you do he has to you know he has to leave. Last last note on the college tennis was I did not realize how many transfers came from other high profile schools to go play for another high profile contender in the in like in the national title run. We that have to free me agency. was like. I mean, the free agency right now in college tennis is just as big as in any sport that I've been paying attention to. It's like, holy cow, like I played at TCU last year. Now he's playing for, uh, I forget what the TCU transfer played for. Um, Texas A&M. Texas, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm just like, what is going on? It's crazy. So yeah. the fact that all those guys have those interconnections from playing in the same conference a season ago to another rivalry was like, 
that just gives more drama to the situation. So, no, shout out to Crack Rackets. You guys crushed it. I appreciate it. Audra Cohen of Oklahoma, women's head coach, told me that tennis has always had one of, if not the highest, transfer rate in all of college tennis. It's amplified now because we have five classes of high school graduates with the COVID extra year. But, yeah, this it, it makes for really fun stuff. And the depth, I think that's what stands out to both of us as well. All of these teams, I mean, the amount of four, three matches and – there were, you know, that Cleve Harper Josh Goodger match, round of 16, Florida versus Texas, had six singles. You're like, how is this number six? I see no difference between this and the match between Bailey and Shelton at two. And like at times, this six match is actually higher quality. And you're just, the level is ridiculous. I appreciate you tuning in. Everyone should tune in as well. Friday's SEC broadcast, you can find them on all the team websites. Sunday's Big Ten Red Zone broadcast, that's going to be on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. College tennis, it's good stuff, Nate Dog. That's why we're into it here at Cracked Rackets. I know that's why Tennis Point is as well. It's like thirteen point. It's like a thirteen UTR yeah. or higher, or else you're screwed. Like you're yeah. out of the line. It's at the highest, at the highest level, seriously. Like it's don't, unbelievable. Don't talk to me unless you're a six foot six eleven. Because if you're six foot six, we can turn you into a thirteen. But short of that, like there's just no room for that in the top ten. So I've, I've been saying about Cam Norrie's success the last couple of years is like, this guy played college tennis. This guy played college tennis. And he's not a serve bot. He's a grinder. He can wear you down from the baseline. And it's like, but now I get it, though. Like, you're playing against real competition. Like, these guys are ballers. So, to me, it's like, it's less shocking to me every time I watch a college tennis match at that level that a guy like Cam Norrie can come out of those rankings and then perform at a top 10 level on the ATP Tour. Nori Torpegard, NCAA quarterfinals 2017, Ohio State TCU. Buckeyes go on to win the match. It was such good tennis at the number one spot. And man, like you look back at some of those teams, Nori, Rybakov, Alistair Gray, and, you know, Trevor Johnson, Jerry Lopez. And like that team didn't win. Yeah, because these other teams were better. Like, yeah. Oh, man. It, yeah, the, very high quality, really good stuff. Watch college tennis. Uh, something else you should all be doing is getting all the latest and greatest tennis equipment you need at our friends at Tennis Point. And, you know, again, shoes, rackets, clothing, you name it, they've got it all in one spot, tennis-point.com. You use our promo code CR15. Not only we get uh, let them know we sent you there, you'll get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Ball. What tennis ball shortage? What tennis ball shortage? You don't know about that because of our friends at Tennis Point. They've got you hooked up, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, Nate Dog, run me through. Latest, greatest. What's going on at Tennis Point? Let's start off with the youngsters. Any of you guys that have young children or are a young lad yourself? I, God, am, do I am I still a young lad? I feel like I'm right on the board. Someone so someone at the, another tangent quickly. I apologize. Someone asked me at the national indoors. They go, "How old are you?" And I was cleanly shaven, so I looked a little younger at the time. And I go, "I'm 26." And saying that out loud was the first time in my life I was like, "Oh my God, you're not young anymore." Like I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination. And yeah, big picture, I'm still young, but 26. You're, you no longer feel like a kid. Like, you're like, no. I, that's an adult age. For sure. The quarter-life crisis is underestimated. It, <laughs> it happens. It really happens. And it hit me hard, bro. It hit me hard. I like, I, I think of you and I, like, we're a year apart in high school, grade. I'm like, yeah. damn, but we're, we're young. We're young. We, we got a few years left. But um, Pre-30, that's all that really matters. All, all I care about is not being 30, bro. Yeah, dude, you're right. <laughs> but here's the thing. College tennis, I love it. 20 like when I was 23 24 strike zone you could be energetic you could talk about they're they're your age 
26, you know, college tennis is old right now because of the COVID year, and I'm a benefit factor of that because the players are older. But, like, if you're 32 and it's all college tennis, not that I'm saying it's – it's just I'll have to do my job differently. It'll be more coach than player-centric. Interesting. Yeah, right now it's like iCarly versus Drake and Josh. Like, soon it'll be Drake and Josh versus – I don't know. What's the latest – I honestly don't know what the new cartoon is. So you're saying you'll be the same age as as these coaches here pretty soon. Is that what you're saying or are you saying the relationship will change? I'm saying I grew up with Eminem in the car. They grew up with uh, Post Malone. That's what I'm saying. There you go. Post Malone's a legend, so I like (laughs) like it. So, no, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a good tangent to go on. I'm glad we got that one in there because it's like, am I old or young? I don't really know what I am. Yeah, I that's a, there it's, are listeners right look, now who are throwing their phone and they're like, shut up. You're 26. <laughs> I'm just saying it's weird to say out – like that's the first age because saying 25 wasn't weird. Saying 26 out loud felt weird. That's too good. That's a good hey, – but, hey, but, but you look great. That's all that really matters. Yeah, when, of course. When the guy shows up – and why do I hat. look great? Because I'm outfitted by my friends at Tennis Point. There we go. There you go. So no, like we were saying, if you're if you're a junior looking for that high performance shoe uh, for clinics or tournaments, guys, the Babolat shoes, fifty um, percent off, uh, up to fifty percent off. So you get these shoes for fifty fifty dollars, and they are high perform, like the highest level shoes you can get. They look great. So check out our junior collection there. Also, for females, the Lucky and Love. Playing in Paradise collection just came in. I'm a I'm a big fan. Like I I've, I've been starting to shoot some of these uh, more of these the women's content and some of this stuff is like Bethany Maddox Sands and her team at Lucky and Love. They know what's happening over there and I like how creative and how um, they're taking chances and that's what I'm I think that's awesome for the sport is like if you want to stand out check out Lucky and Love check out our Sophie Bella collections those those are on fire right now. Uh, K Swiss as well the men's new collection. The K-Swiss Surge Cruise uh, just came in. Look really sharp. You can look like Cam Nori out there. The logo crew, awesome T-shirt. I love the K-Swiss logo. They're really, I mean, b- between their shoes and their apparel, really feel like K-Swiss has stepped up the last couple of years. On the racket side, uh, the Head Speed, all brand new Head Speed is out now. Um, it's is that the tur- turquoise one? That's the boom. Uh, oh, that's so the that- boom. The head speed is basically just they flip-flopped on this new one, the white and the black. The oh, Novak gotcha, racket. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. J.J. Wolf, Novak Djokovic, take your pick. Those, both those guys are rocking. In that order, J.J. Wolf, then Novak Djokovic. <laughs> hey, let's be clear. first top 25 win for the kids. So big, well, let's big be win. honest. Who's going to be playing more ATP matches this year, J.J. Wolf or Novak Djokovic? The answer That's, isn't as straightforward as you think. No, it is not. That is a hell of a question right there. I don't know if I. Yeah, I had to really think about that one. I think so. No, the new power, the new power grommets that they've been implemented into this racket is. I think it makes a difference from what I've heard and I've tested it out a little bit. It's just a more firm contact uh, feeling when you're when you're if you're a big swinger uh, with a modern swing path. I think it really complements your game well. And then the Wilson Clash V2, brand new colorway. That maroon is. It looks awesome. I mean, we've we've been posting a lot of it on our social cha- on our social channels. I think it pops. It's a more sixteen percent larger sweet spot. Also, a lot more flexible and stable at impact due to its forty five technology, um, which is like carbon construction and like the throat and throughout the uh, frame. So, two awesome sticks just just have come out within the last couple of weeks. Uh, you can actually pre order the Clash, and the speed is out. So, no, those, that's from tennis point. A lot of new things are happening and. It's fun times, and hopefully we'll have our uh, hopefully we'll have the shoe inventory picking back up here as supply chain issues are hopefully coming to an end. 
tennis-point.com, tennis-point.com. Use that promo code CR15 while you're there to let them know we sent you. All right. With that said, let's have some more fun here on this show. Again, we have a time for reflection right now. We've had a bunch of events over the past few weeks, whether it was, you know, the action on the ATP side, Acapulco and Dubai and Rotterdam and Marseille. And, you know, on the women's side, we had the Middle East swing. We had St. Petersburg. We've had the action going on in Mexico as well. Yes, we have a WTA event happening this week. But before we get to Indian Wells, before we get to Miami, let's look back at the past two months of tennis. Let's talk about the players who have been the standout performers, our top five men's and women's performers thus far of 2022. Here's some statistical background because I haven't talked too frequently this season because you just don't have that big of a sample size, but we do now about our top 10, 15, 20, 25 clubs who are the players who are top 10, et cetera, in both hold and break percentage, which if you're holding serve the most frequently, if you're breaking serve the most frequently, you're probably having the best results. We'll start with the men here today, uh, Nate Dog, and let's look at, again, the last 52 weeks versus 2022 because, of course, that'll help us determine who have been the standout performers perhaps versus who is just, as always, exceptional. You look here and we'll start uh, with the, over the course of the last 52 weeks. There have been three guys who are top 10 in both hold and break percentage. We'll turn this into trivia as well. Can you name the three top 10 club members right now on the men's side, Nate? I'm going to say it is Rafa. Incorrect. Oof, Rublev. Incorrect. Again, this is last 52 weeks, not 2022. So okay. last 52. Give me – I can't go for three. That's a technical foul. Yeah. Um, give me – not, not Zverev. I'm not answering. You tell me when you guess. Oh, give me Carlos Alcaraz. Top 10 club, Daniil Medvedev, wow. Novak Djokovic, and Alex Zverev. That, those are your three had, players over the last 52 weeks. It, it's tough. all right. Don't worry. You'll get it back in the 2022 section. Top 15 club, Kasper Ruud, and yes, Rafael Nadal. So you're not that far off. Top 20 club, this is the most fun. Ilya Ivashka and Jensen Brooksby. Those are your t- two players who are top 20 in both hold and break percentage. Then top 25 club, again, top 25 Brooks in both hold and break percentage. You had Tsitsipas, Rublev, Nori, and Gael Monfils to the list over the last 52 weeks. So again, top 10 club, top 10 in both hold and break percentage. Medvedev, Djokovic, Zverev. Top 15, you had Rudin and Rafa. 20 is Ivashka and Brooksby. 25, Tsitsipas, Rublev, Nori, Monfils. That's over the past year. Now I, we I go to... Tweet. Brooksby shocks me the most out of that group. I mean, all he does is win, 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 no matter what. I know, and and it shouldn't surprise me, but it's just like— I'll say this. If you win a 6-1 set over Novak Djokovic, you should just get an honorary inclusion into the top 25 club because that's just ridiculous. His serve is not—it's going to get bigger. I'll just say that. It's not that— It's not a weapon. It's not a weapon in the traditional sense. It doesn't overwhelm you. No. So that's why it surprises me. It's a really well – it's like if you were playing drop and hit games and a drop and hit feed was just like perfect. I mean, again, he just places the ball so well, and that includes on the serve. Um, you look, though, here in 2022, two members of the top 10 club. Just here in 2022. Can you name them, Nate? Give me Rublev. No Rublev. He's top 15. Dang. Who's uh, undefeated? Give me f- – oh, Rafa, for sure. Yeah, so Rafa's yeah. top 10 club through the first two months. The other one's Casper Rude. 
Casper Root. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, since he didn't play Australian Open, I've I, I forget he's still playing tennis. Fair. Top fifteen club: Zverev, Rublev, and Yannick Sinner. Top twenty club: Hercots, Medvedev, Alcaraz, and Monfils. Top twenty-five: Djokovic, RBA. So again. You, you see some shifts. Rude, who's only, you know, he wins the tournament. He plays on the clay courts. Rafa hasn't lost a match this season. Makes sense that they're the top 10 club. Top 15, Zverev, just his floor is very good. Even when he, you know, again, why did he lose in Acapulco? Not because of anything he did. Well, it is because of something he did on the court, but not because of the tennis he was playing. Um, you know, you look for uh, Daniil Medvedev, who's, you know, he, why is he dropped from the ten, top 10 club? Well, he loses to Rafa twice. Like, if those are Annie loses that uh, match to Umber or whomever at, at the ATP Cup, maybe it wasn't Umber, but I think it was Umber. Um, yeah, like, he's down to top 20. I think it's notable that Sinner's into the top 15. I think that passes the eye test. I think it's notable that Alcaraz is into the top 20 club. That passes the eye test. Again, top 25 club overall. There are 11 total players amongst the top 50 who rank top 25 or better in hold and break percentage. I think this group makes sense. And I think when you look at, again, who have been the standout performers, you got to start with the guys who have made the jump. And in particular, number one, it's unequivocal, and we can start with him. It's Rafael Nadal, who has been broken 21 times in 44 sets played. He's holding 89.6% of the time to start this season. That's the third highest of his career. He's 35 freaking years old. Wow. I mean, I talked about this on yesterday's mini break extensively, so I won't repeat myself too much. I'll give you the chance to talk about it. He's got to be – like what is it about in your mind that allows Rafa to, to have this success this season? What's been different or maybe not different, just what's allowed this success? And I assume he's your number one. Rafa is – I mean, yeah. I mean, what he's been able to do from a physicality standpoint, that's what's impressed me. Um, just that his body has been able to hold up and he's trusted his body. He's moving – I mean, he's he's not – he's just moving so hard on his body, but he's trusting his – I don't know how he's doing that because he just came off a of foot surgery. But on hard courts, you'd think his body would – feel some wear and tear. I was shocked to see him play Acapulco. He goes out and balls out in it and doesn't drop a set. Um, but other than his, the physicality thing of him holding up, I just think his ability to game plan for every matchup he has and work his, like, the pattern that is going to be most beneficial for him and just repeat that over and over again is ridiculous. So for him against, I guess, Medvedev in both matchups, Australia and Acapulco, for him to figure out that formula that is working for him and just double down on it over, I mean, two hours and then in whatever the final was, four and a half hours in Australia, that was just amazing to see. Uh, so I think that's what's like enabled him to kind of maintain at the top and just be a threat to, to possibly take over the world number one ranking if he wins the French Open. Ruthlessly um, efficient. He is ruthlessly yeah. efficient. And, yeah, I would agree with you. Sorry, go ahead. I think in the net game, like – He's so much more comfortable these days finishing points at the net. So after he's got a long exchange and he takes guys out from the, the outer thirds of the court, the fact that he's able to finish at the net now, his overheads have always been pretty elite. But his hand like he had a volley against Medvedev that was just outrageous. Cross-court forehand, he like lunges at this backhand volley and hits a drop volley. It's just yeah. like, that guy's got the goods, man. It's like, that's just stuff that he's had to teach himself and kind of just improve on throughout his, throughout his career. And he's been able to kind of maintain his longevity because he can shorten points now when he needs to. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I would also say, by the way, you know, you look for him, he's number one in terms of yearly ELO ratings via our friends at Tennis Abstract. And the Tennis Abstract list is really good in terms of the top 10, like 10 players thus far this year. It's hard to disagree with their order. They go Rafa 1, FAA 2, Rublev 3, Medvedev 4, Nori 5, then Opelka 6, Alcaraz 7, Tsitsipas 8, RBA 9 is the first one you think maybe a little high, Zverev 10, shout out Yuri Vesely at 13, shout out Jack Draper at 19 right now with all of his challenger success. I mean, I would agree with that order pretty closely. Like, Felix is my number two guy. You look for Felix this year, you know, get into that ATP Cup title and what that's done for the rest of his confidence, whether it's, you know, going to the Australian Open quarterfinal and, you know, such high level of tennis in every match he played, whether against Rusevori, the five sets in round one, Davidovich Vokina, all tiebreaker sets, and then, you know, straights over Evans, four sets over Chilich, the five-set match he plays with Medvedev, in the quarters was just outstanding. And then he gets the monkey off his back. He beats Nori, Rublev, Tsitsipas on the way to his first title at 500 level in Rotterdam. He follows that up the next week with another final where he's knocked off five and six by an inform Andre Rublev, who's third on my list. And, you know, again, Rublev 14 and two to start his season. You look for Felix, I believe he's 14 or 15 and four. Like, I think two and three is pretty clear cut. And I think Felix, for a long time, has had the talent, had the, you know, flashed the upside for us to all say, had the weapons where you see when he can play front foot dominant tennis, he's just going to be able to play on his terms against anyone. Well, he's realized that now. And you look for him, 85.4% hold percentage. That's a career high for him. It's a top 15 number for the first time in his career. You just see the serve has become an elite weapon. Break percentage, 20.8%, which is above his career average. Now it's still, you know, 35th, 34th amongst top 50 players. Not great, but you you get, I think that number's a bit misleading. A, considering the sample size of matches he's played, and you just look at the quality. ATP Cup, he plays RBA, Medvedev, Zverev, Nori. Australian Open, Rusevori, Davidovich, Fakina, Evans, Chilich, Medvedev. Rotterdam, Murray, Nori, Rublev, Tsitsipas. Even Marseille, Ivashka, and Rublev again. Like, that's a really tough strength of schedule Mm -hmm. to this point, and yet his numbers are still above their career averages, if not at career highs. I think he he can be a bit more selective with the the shots that he plays and the aggression in certain return games. And then I think most clearly with the eye test, he just is more fluid in and out of the backhand corner. He's more confident, and there's better depth and better drive on that backhand wing in general. He's always been a good volleyer. Now he knows it. And when he follows in that forehand, there's just a plan now. When he's at the net, continues to get stronger. The serve continues to get bigger. And you forget as much as long as he's been a part of our life, he's only 21 years old. Like from a growth curve perspective, it makes sense. I think he's the number two because his best has been better than Rublev's. Mm-hmm. But Rublev's number three because, again, this is a stark reminder when Andre Rublev is healthy and moving his feet well and being aggressive as he has been over the last three weeks. I mean, again, semifinal loss to uh, to FAA in Rotterdam, then title in Marseille, title in the Middle East. Two and three, I think, pretty clearly. Yep. No, Felix has the new soul court boost on. Was, I think that's the key for the guy. Uh, no, he's. I just think Felix is, like you said – he started to believe in himself. He's always had the weapons. That's never been a problem. The athleticism has always been there. He's got the weapon with the forehand being as big as pretty much anybody's on a hard court. He's the backhand is not like he's loosened up with the backhand. He's able to attack a little bit more freely on that, on that wing. 
And then coming forward, he's a lot more comfortable. He's He stays composed much better when he gets um, uh, basically a passing shot that I think is a, a tougher response than uh, he used to kind of panic a little bit, pop the volley up and get hammered at it. But now he's able to uh, just finesse the ball much better at the front, at, at, in the front court. And I just think Felix is, for him, I think it's always been mental. And for him to kind of overcome that hurdle in Rotterdam, capture his first title at the place where he got his first ATP main draw, thought that was awesome and a cool story. And no, Felix seems like just like a great guy, someone that I, everybody would kind of get along with. And he's easy to root for. I think that and he's, yeah, to have him be a face of ATP tour would be awesome because, um, yeah, Team Canada's looking strong here. Yeah, and then I think Rublev's your clear-cut three. Now, four and five for the men gets brutal, and I have a short list for you. Mm-hmm. Medvedev, I mean, again, he loses to Umber, then Nadal, Nadal. Like, finals, semifinals, Australian Open, Acapulco. I'm not sure you can ask for much more from him. Nori, brutal start to the season, although, again, played Fritz, Felix, Zverev at the ATP Cup. Like, let's remember. And then Korda played the match of his career to date in that first round in Australia. Like, Nori's been, he's backed up that Indian Wells title here to start this year. Mm-hmm. Some other guys, a little less profile. Riley Opelka, you know, to go Delray final and win the title in Dallas and serve the way he served, holding 96% of the time. He's clearly made another jump forward. He's into the top 20, you know, number 17 in the world. He is the top ranked American right now. He's been excellent. Max Cressy, what he did in Australia, that's another one. Tanasi Kokonakis, what he did in Australia. Gael Monfils, then I throw Carlos Alcaraz at you. Alejandro Tabilo, it would be the hipster pick. Jack Draper, obviously, as well. Give me your four and five. Who you got? Uh, So, I mean, another guy that – he's not in my top five, but I think Baez is another guy that you put me on to last year. He's starting to come on, especially on the clay courts. But, no, for me, Riley Opelka, I just think for him to, like – He's not. He's obviously like playing along with like the servbot theme, but he's shown clearly that he is much more than just a, a, a one serve and done type guy. I mean, his his movement this year and his his like his mental fortitude, I guess you want to call it, is just he's super locked in. He's just as locked in off the court. Got to follow the guy on Twitter. I mean, what, that guy is pure entertainment. But he's just putting on a show, and for him to get in the top twenty now, I think he can. He's only going to keep keep climbing. I mean. His, his plan A is so effective against 95% of the tour. I mean, so whether he can execute in a tiebreaker is, what is probably what's going to come down to. And I think as his return of serve has gotten cleaner, that's a guy that you do not want to see um, in an early round for sure. I mean, he, he, he pulled out of Acapulco because I really wanted to see him versus Rafa in that first round. I thought that was an interesting matchup to see. Is, um, Rafa's played a, a handful of big servers this year, taking out Cressy and – a few others in Australia, but that was going to be a matchup. I think Rafa was going to have a tough time with on Acapulco's fast courts and that heat. So um, no, I think Riley's been phenomenal. I like that. He's kind of monitoring his schedule and uh, hopefully saving his legs for like a tournament like Indian Wells and these bigger events. Cause I think he's must like, he's to me, like that style of play used to be not boring, but not my, my cup of tea, but now like with his ability to move and slap ground strokes off both wings, I'm a big fan of what Riley's been able to do, and his and he just seems dedicated to the game right now and his craft. So I, I got Opelka in there, and it's it's a it's a toss. I guess give me Alcaraz actually. Give me give me Alcaraz. I just think would, yeah. I mean, he's just continued to build off his U.S. Open run where he beats Tsitsipas in, in the fifth set, and he's just kind of taken to the next level. Uh, gets his first ATP 500 title uh, in Rio, and I think that was just a huge um, just kind of 
certified him as a, a real contender at all the big events going forward is he was able to hit through a guy like Diego Schwartzman who's had a ton of success on clay courts. And he was also the drop shot. What he's able to do with the big forehand and now mix in the variety with his finesse and feel, that drop shot was doing damage. I mean, almost every time he, he pulled it off and he's just watching him fly around the court with his foot speed. He's probably the most, in my opinion, outside of Rafa, maybe the most exciting person to watch in tennis right now. Yeah, I mean, and it's obviously interesting you say those two together given the similarities in the physicality, that game style that they play. Opelka probably has to be on the list just given, you know, again, his run here. And I thought he played well despite not playing his best match against Shapovalov in that fourth mm-hmm. round in Australia. Maybe you throw Berrettini on this list as well. He hasn't been particularly bad. Monfils was so good in January. Yeah, I almost gave Monfils the tip of the cap. I mean, what he did in Australia was, was it's phenomenal. Tough. Draper, just the three challenger titles or whatever it is yeah. in, in two months. That's ridiculous. RBA is at a high level too. RBA should be on this short list. I'm going to go Kokonakis at five. Because he's, to come back from injury and just do what he's done, I, like even if it hasn't been the most impressive, it is the most impressive. <sighs> I'll go Riley at four. I agree with you. But, it, I mean, again, I just think his jump is the most significant. Alcaraz reminding everyone that I am this good right now already. Certainly that will factor more and more so as we go throughout the season. But so, him and Draper just missed the list. The picture someone put up of Alcaraz, like – the other day and then someone said like have you guys seen Berrettini at the same age it doesn't look like it is unfair how mature that dude is from a physicality standpoint against the guys it's ridiculous how I mean he is built like 25 26 years old but he's just 18 I just cannot wait to see what he's able to kind of in his career I don't, what is his ceiling like what, what, like do you think is he has the highest ceiling on the on the tour in your opinion Alcaraz like, who has a higher ceiling than Alcaraz that's under 25? I mean, Medvedev's still 25. He's not 26 at, yet? No. I was trying to cut him uh, off. He might have just turned 26 if he did. but he I was did. trying to cut Medvedev off. I thought he was 26. He might, sure. he might be, but it's February 96, if that. Yeah, um, okay. In fact, I actually do think he was February 96. Um, I mean, Zverev is still pretty freaking good. I mean, he's on that list. Like, Like, I agree with you. He's on the Tier 1 list. Like, he's a Tier 1 prospect. I think all those guys have similar ceilings. It's just the question of how close do they get to hitting them. Like, I think the most fun debate we're going to have, perhaps, is is the Sinner-Alcaraz debate. Because I think people are going to be picking camps pretty soon. I also think Felix, age-wise, belongs more with that group than the Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas cohort. For sure. Like, that's going to be a really fun trio because each of them do, you know, I think Alcaraz is one side, F.A. is the other, and Sinner's kind of that bridge in between. But they're all on the short list. Like, they're they're my three of my six locks to win slams this decade. I like what Cressy said. Like, he was, like, basically saying that the top players do not want to come to the net. Like, they do not want to finish the ball, finish the rally at the net. And I think the differences between those three you just mentioned, Felix, Carlos, and Sinner, is I want to take the, the better athlete of the three and the guy that's shown more comfortable and more fluidity in the front court. And, like, Sinner's improved that in that end, uh, at, at that aspect of the game. Felix has, obviously, as well. But Carlos is just – I don't know what, what his weakness is. I mean, the matches he loses, it doesn't really feel like any weaknesses were exploited. 
more than it feels like he was just kind of missing, like just missing one ball short or like, I just don't know where you attack his game right now. And it's only going to get more solid as he continues to get more match play against these top guys. So I don't know like what, what is, yeah. What is the plan A against Carlos right now? Like he's, he can move, he can play on his front foot. He can play inside the baseline. He can defend like as good as anybody. I mean, so it's just like, if you, if you don't, if, if you try like with Medvedev, we saw what, what Nadal did. Don't give him pace, bring him into the net and make him generate the ball that you like, make him attack the midcourt ball. And we saw Nadal just sit on every approach shot Medi hit the entire match. I mean, he might've missed the passing shot, but Rafa knew where every approach shot was being directed. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's just like if he's just super predictable in, in, in regards to his patterns or what, but I just feel like Carlos has an X factor, an X factor about his game that takes him to a, another level. I don't know if I'm seeing things, but it's just like if I'm betting on any of those guys, give me Alcaraz. No, hard to dispute. And again, he's on the short list, no doubt. Uh, he's been exceptional to start this season. Let's flip gears now, though. Talk about the women. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Unequivocal, Ash. I think actually the top four are pretty unequivocal. I think Barty's got to be your number one. I have Sviantec too on the back of the thousand level title in Doha plus the Australian Open semifinal. But Dominant. if you want to put Ostapenko above her, given her three set loss to Krejcikova, third round Australia plus title in Dubai semifinal in Doha, I'm not going to knock you. I, I think know you're Conte, next. She I has to be four with St. Petersburg and the success she's had as well, despite the disappointing uh, loss. Although, again, Clara Tossin, that match had more to do with Tossin than anything else. After that, I think five is where things get interesting. And again, I don't mean to blitz through the women because I know we've. I just think, again, Barty, everything we said about Nadal applies to Barty, and you look for Barty. Well, I'll just do this framework for everyone quickly. Last 52 weeks, your top 10 club for the women. Just Igashviantek, not a coincidence. She's number two on the list. Top 15 club, Barty, Collins, Conteve, Jabour, and Halep. Top 20 club, Vondrusova and Bedosa. And I have a Vondrusova is going to win Indian Wells take that is just in the oven cooking right now, waiting for our preview podcasts. But Vondrusova, Bedosa, top 20. Krechikova, Tossin, Radakanu, Vika, top 25. Makes sense. There's a lot of really good players right now. You look 2022, top 10 club, Barty, Pavlichenkova, and Halep. So again, Sviantek out, Barty in, makes sense. She has been the best unequivocally. Halep has actually been very good. Pavlichenkova, the sample size is just so small. Top 15 club, Danielle Collins, and welcome to the ball game, Madison Keys, who really bad loss post-Australia, but obviously was exceptional in Australia. Top 20, Azarenka, Sakari, Conteve, Vondrusova, Sviantek. Top 25, Tossin, Krachikova, Ostapenko. 
not too much movement, right? Radakanu's fallen out. Ostapenko's come into the top 25 club or better. And you see some, you know, Halep's moved up a little bit. Pavlchenkova, the exception, but it's such a small sample size. Key's a new addition as well. Jabour's fallen out, but it's because she's been injured. Everything pretty stable other than Barty clearly making that jump back to the elite of the elite. Now, I think Halep's in the mix for this because she has proven she is not that far off from her prime level. Has the rest of the field caught up a bit yet? Has she dropped off a bit? Yes, but she is not that far off. But Mm -hmm. she's in the mix here. Collins, for that run in Australia, has to be in the mix. Keys, obviously, I think, has to be in the mix. Let's not forget about what Amanda Nisimova's done here to start the year. Again, I think that top four is pretty clear-cut. Barty, Sviantek, Ostapenko, Conteve, you can agree or disagree with me there. Which way are you leaning on five? I was either going to cheat, and I was just going to go <laughs> Anisimova, Keys, Sloan, and Collins. Just take all four of those Americans. That just the Americans. I, I, I'm always fine with some cheating. I, I was going to cheat and just take the four Americans who have just all shown really nice flashes at some point in this early season, two months in, um, whether it was Collins going to the finals Sloan just taking a title in Guadalajara, Keys going to the semifinals and getting regaining her form, or um, Anisimova, what she did in Australia with a new coach, and uh, Darren Cahill, what they've been able to accomplish in a short time is very impressive. And I just think that she's mentally in a good space right now. She seems to be having fun with her tennis, and um, she seems to work really hard on her craft. I mean, I, like I said on the last pod, like I read way too much into the whole social media stuff, but I really do think you can take some things from that. And Anisimova, like – when the when, when the players start showcasing their practices and showcasing them kind of their 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 get ups before a big event, you can just tell kind of who's happy to be there. That was kind of my whole thing with Rotterdam predicting Felix to win that was he was just like he was all in from from the time he landed there he was ready to rock. So I I'm either gonna cheat take those four or I'll just take Sakari because I think Sakari is just I mean she bullied Coco um, sure. which and Coco was coming in off a really nice win against Pedosa looked like her legs were a little heavy in that one ran out of gas it looked like but Sakari, I mean that's not someone you even can show an ounce of of letdown against because she is going to bully you into the corners and from a physicality standpoint that's a matchup nightmare so uh Sakari's always been impressive I feel like the last two or three years and she's if she can just put together a full season she's a danger she's going to be dangerous on at least two of the three two of the three surfaces for me I think it's got to be one of Anisimova or Keys Mm-hmm. Collins was great, but she was excellent at the end of last year as well. Go look at her July numbers and was really good down the home stretch. And it's just great to see her healthy and we see what a healthy Danielle Collins can do. I mean, for what Anissa Hope has gone through, like you mentioned, over the last 12 months. But for Madison Keys, just when was the last time we saw a rip off three weeks like that? Two years? Like 2019? Yeah. 2018? Yeah. And it's just Been- that level was peak Madison Keys and like you forget Madison Keys was also born in 95 like she's my age and I you know we joke at the start here we go full circle uh we joke at the start like feeling 26 years old is that old it's not like it's really not and tennis wise she you know if tennis years were dog years she is older than 26 right that is a veteran grizzled 26 years old but she's not old like she's not and it's just like to see her healthy playing confidently She's number five for me. I think that's a fair choice. I think that's that's my fun pick. I've been a big Keys fan for a while. It was we, we had a tough few years there in the, in the Keys uh, Keys box, but no, like like she was very vocal about it in Australia. Like she hit the reset button. She went back to to, to the uh, practice courts, to the clipboard, whatever you want to say. Hit the reset button. Started over from scratch. Went out there with a fresh mentality of just 
play loose, have fun with your tennis. Don't don't worry about the rankings. Don't worry about the number next to your name and just play to the best of your abilities and let it fly. Like, and we saw it was a free flowing tennis that we saw from her in Australia where when she's connecting on her serve and her forehand, I mean, she's blowing top 20 players off the court. And it's like, it's, it looks so easy. And like, I got to watch her up close in 2019 at the Western and Southern on the practice courts. And I was just like obsessing over her forehand pop. The ball just sounds so different um, from really almost everybody on the tour, on the women, on the women's tour. She has an explosiveness in her forehand where she throws her whole body at the ball. And when she connects on the middle of the string bed, that ball was humming through the court. So I was just really happy to see keys get back to having fun and um, really like just showing that she can be a top five, top 10 player when she's, when she's on her A game. Absolutely. Well, with all of that said, again, Sunshine Swing coming up, folks. We're going to get to see who are the best of the best right now on our hands here in North America. Going to be a really fun two-event stretch. Of course, we're going to talk with you more frequently now, Nate, now that things have settled, now that we can get back into our normal routine. Uh, what do you have cooking, though, over at Tennis Point? Give me the update. Um, no, so we got some exciting news. We'll be traveling a lot coming up. Mm-hmm. We'll be headed to Indian Wells for a few days. So yeah, We are on-the-ground correspondent. Yes, yes. So we'll, we'll have to hit you on the on the Tuesday podcast next week from uh, Palm Springs. So I'm hoping to um, – yeah, I, I mean, I just can't wait for that event. I, it feels like it's – we just had it three, what, four months ago, five months ago. Pretty awesome that we get to go back um, already in its normal scheduled time in March. Then we will head to uh, – we'll take to Hilton Head for the college PTR tournaments down there for a week or so. And then it's Miami Open, so we'll be headed down there as well. So it's – a lot of exciting times. Good to get um, the travel schedule back up and running. And uh, I can't wait to see uh, just what we were able to do with the college and the tours and the junior grassroots tennis. Is, it's going to be a big year. And I think Tennis Point is it's, uh, the, it's kind of taken over in the U.S. as just Team Yellow. I hope to see it everywhere. So we'll, we'll see what we can do. No, we appreciate what you guys do to support us here at Crack Rackets. Obviously, we're supporting all that you guys do as well. And again, tennis-point.com, promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest equipment. With all that said, you guys know the deal. We'll be back tomorrow to update you on the latest happenings. If you've missed anything in the college tennis world, the Siding Point episodes, recapping the women's action Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, men's action Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. You can find those at Great Shot Podcast podcast on the feed the next day as well for all of the content only one place to go crackedrackets.com of course like rate subscribe review to all the podcasts if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube you're at cracked rackets you want to message me directly at al gruskin shout out as always to the super producer daniel westoff for the f- of an editing job he does day in day out making all of our content possible shout out again to our friends at tennis point as well tennis-point.com promo code is cr15 with all that said for my fantastic co-host, Nate Walrath, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Nate Dog. what do we tell the people? That's the break. And we will see you all next week. Thank you as always, my friend. Love you, Westoff. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.